0: And welcome to podcast 72 in our series.
1: You should have been there with me, Simon Calder, and me, Mick Webb. Now, we're following last week's podcast about Europe's tiny states with one about the world's biggest, well, at least in area, and that's Russia, a great bear of a country that I don't feel particularly attracted to, well, at least as a tourist. It's got an amazing history, of course, incredible past achievements but nowadays, well, I'm not so sure. Luckily, my prejudices and preconceptions are not shared by Simon, who I know is a great Russophile. And um, with us also is Francis Lindsay Gordon, a supreme traveller, travel writer and photographer. Uh, what got you interested in, in Russia, Francis?
2: In a word, I suppose I was intrigued. Um, and it wasn't just from beautiful pictures I saw, but also things I read or heard I remember, for example, learning about Rasputin uh, and Ivan the Terrible at school Um, and then growing up hearing Reagan describe it as the evil empire and watching Russian villains on James Bond films. I think there's at least six from the last count. So it was a kind of curiosity and intrigue about the good and the bad. And just as you said, you don't have a great impression. I, I wanted to go and see for myself.
1: And Simon, you caught the Russian bug at school, didn't you? I did. And it was uh, age 11, I
0: remember vividly. Now, you need to know that I went to a very trendy, comprehensive school in <laughs> Crawley, Newtown, where, um, of course, because the far-sighted uh, head and teachers recognised that the future was to be found in the Soviet Union, what you needed to do was teach everyone Russian. And so uh, there is a whole generation of uh, school children from Crawley uh, who speak bad Russian, and I am so thrilled to be among them. I mean, at the time, I'd never been abroad. The idea of going to Russia seemed as... as, um, straightforward is going to france so why not um and and furthermore it, it doesn't actually and francis may back this up take too long to to get used to those sort of back to front r's and the uh, strange alphabet and once you've got that actually you feel quite liberated do you did you manage to get a handle on the cyrillic alphabet francis yes
2: i like you simon i i think languages are a wonderful asset for traveling. And they can completely transform your trip in particular by having wonderful contact with the local people. And they say Russian is possibly not the easiest. I reckon you can learn the alphabet in in an afternoon. A lot of the letters are similar to the Greek ones. And if you do, it really helps because you can read train timetables, you can read the menus, you can read road signs, and it, it helps enormously to make that tiny effort
1: if you can. Well, that mention of making contact with the local people leads me to lay bare the first of my prejudices, (laughs) which obviously you two must challenge, which is what it is like to be a tourist in Russia. And uh, do they actually like tourists? I have my doubts. Wow. Well, that uh, they love visitors. It is an incredibly hospitable place.
0: Now, absolutely, the attitude of the government, everything we've ever learned about first the Soviet Union and now Vladimir Putin's Russia suggests that this is an unfriendly place that will uh, keep the stranger out. And furthermore, the incredibly difficult uh, uh problems of getting a Russian visa make it look as though they certainly don't want you there um, it's even tougher than it was in the days of the USSR but when you get there uh, uh, nothing is too much trouble for these people uh, I, I think one of the most hospitable nations on earth um, we, we, we could back me up Francis or indeed contradict me.
2: <laughs> no I fully agree Simon though it's not it's Doesn't appear quite as welcoming, perhaps, in fairness, compared to some countries. And the reason for this is that culturally, the Russians don't really smile. I once asked a Russian about this, and he said, Look, we think that only monkeys smile. In other words, you're a fool if you smile and simper too much. And in fact, there's a very funny story that many of the officials at the FIFA World Cup in 2018 had to be trained to smile (laughs) and welcome tourists. And so a lot of football fans arrived and and were confronted by these kind of beaming and and sort of giggling policemen, which they didn't know what to make (laughs) of at all. Um, So they, they don't tend to smile, which makes them look rather ferocious and forbidding and unwelcoming. But the minute you engage them or you look like you need help, they they rush to your your assistance and, you know, will lavish you with food and famously vodka and stories for as long as they can possibly get away with. And in fact, I have one travel writer friend who visits Russia a lot. And he says that the only way to stop them Forcing vodka on you is to say, "Look, I'm I'm really sorry. I'm an alcoholic, and nothing else will will do." So that I think that's a good uh, measure of of the hospitality.
1: Well, that's very convincing. I mean, I must say that my own prejudice is, uh, as I've never been to Russia, is based on meeting um, Russian tourists abroad, and and I particularly remember uh, being at a. Hotel called the Hotel Park in Belgrade a few years ago. Uh, to say that it is its charms are faded is to um, be very generous uh, with it. And um, <laughs> particularly appalling was the breakfast buffet. Uh, <laughs> when I went to, down to uh, for my breakfast on the first morning, uh, there was the last bit of congealed scrambled egg left and I was just about to reach for it when I was elbowed out of the way by a a large and solid looking um, citizen of Russia, I then found out, who was part of a package tour. Uh, who'd come from Moscow to Belgrade. And uh, they were absolutely... I mean, their behaviour was was beyond belief. I mean, if you think of the worst of uh, drunken Brits abroad, this was it, except it was at uh, half past seven in the morning and they were sober.
2: Perhaps they were just very, very hungry, do you think? I don't know. (laughs) On
1: a uh, well, yes, and any—if—if
0: if you were to judge any country on the behaviour of certain groups of tourists, you would form an instantly dreadful picture of them, in um, particular you know, Brits in in Magaluf, or indeed Brits at Stansted Airport at five a.m. before they fly to Magaluf. So, I—I I don't recognise—I recognise criticism of of Russian tourists abroad. Um, I don't recognise that those traits when you are when you're actually there although it is important just to mention what the foreign office says um about uh well there's uh, i'm so sorry to say racism homophobia still prevail in some quarters and the foreign office says people of asian or afro-caribbean descent may attract unwanted attention in public places and should take care particularly when traveling late at night having said that i was in uh Kaliningrad, which is a fantastic taster of Russia. This is this little fragment of territory, um kind of pinched between Poland and Lithuania, um, which for historic reasons is part of Russia. Basically, uh that that they wanted a, a uh, year-round Baltic base that uh, that wouldn't freeze. And Kaliningrad, formerly Königsberg in Germany, is it. And after the Second World War, they made sure that they grabbed it. But that was the venue, for example, for um, Nigeria against Croatia, and uh lots of nigerians in town. actually i met a number of people from india there as well and the the welcome regardless of race was quite rightly as as warm as it could have been the uh, smiling had obviously worked everybody in town was smiling <laughs> and it, it was a joyful event and, and then say what you like about vladimir putin and i think we could all say plenty um on the night of the uh Final, he suddenly said, right, football fans, you've got this special ID card which got you into Russia to come to the football without needing a visa. It's valid till the end of the year. Come back and have a holiday. So I went back twice. It was great.
2: And you know what? I think two things are helping one the the number of tourists arriving in russia so they're sort of getting more used to them i think it was visited by 30 35 million uh, last year wow. and it, believe it or not it's the ninth most visited country in the world so you're in the in, in a minority making you'll have to get out there uh,
1: where do and, they come from Francis? i mean well, they don't come from the uk do they no they
2: don't and i i don't think i saw a single person from the uk uh, while i was there the, the french this to be a large number of French who love obviously all the art and everything else. Um, And quite a lot of people from the Middle East as well. I guess it's not too too far away.
1: Uh, Well, here's my second um, prejudice, which is the accommodation. Uh, This is based entirely on what I suppose we could call communist era hotels that I've been to in Serbia, Croatia, and particularly in um, uh, Montenegro, uh, which are kind of hideous blocks of concrete, which haven't been maintained since uh, early 60s and are uh, falling down. The balcony was actually uh, falling off the hotel I stayed at in a really um, lovely part of Montenegro. And I kind of had a feeling that maybe uh, lots of the hotels in Russia itself, in mother Russia, uh, are are like that still.
0: Well, I've stayed in many, many uh, Russian hotels and the vast majority of them are still the old in-tourist hotels um, from the days of the Soviet Union, when basically in the 60s and 70s, some pretty uh, kind of standardized hotels were put up, so all the way from from Kaliningrad to Vladivostok, uh, you, you will recognize if, if you've stayed in one, you'll know exactly where the loo is, where the bar is, um, etc. And 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 that's uh, that that's quite funny. And they are all falling apart, but they've got some great characteristics. Um, they've got the dezhurnaya, who is the floor lady, and she just sits at the entrance to your floor. And nothing gets past her. Literally, she knows exactly what goes on. Who's exactly who's there? Who shouldn't be there? And um, uh, w- will permit or not permit uh, uh, activities as she sees fit. Um, she will also probably sell you some vodka if you need some. And you know, and and she will look after you if you if you are a stranger in a strange land. And there's also a, another couple of types of hotels: the very good historic hotels, which um, uh, the, the Grand Hotel Evrovsky in, uh, in Saint Petersburg, for instance, where they are just marvelous nineteenth-century creations, and then perfectly good modern budget hotels, which are actually cost you quite a lot less than the average Premier Inn. Ah,
1: uh-huh. what was your experience, Sir uh, Francis?
2: I have to say, mine mine is pretty good. I really have. Two requirements: that it's good value and that it's clean. And I have to say that almost everywhere I've been in Russia has provided both things in, you know, amply. And I also think there's few places that can supply such a range of accommodation. So you've got at the high end Tsar-era palaces, which are extraordinary places to, you know, to spend the night in, and still pretty lavishly furnished. So they're
1: 19th century, are they in the main?
2: Yes, in the main, exactly. And then you can stay in in a yurt, uh, in a dacha. (laughs) You can take a sleeper train. You know. uh, ski lodges you can camp there's a, a really good range um, but as I say I think thing thing that I value highly is, is probably cleanliness and uh, and they've been immaculate um, compared to even in Europe where I've stayed in places and been bitten to death during the night by fleas <laughs> so um, I think we could even learn a couple of things about uh, hotel management I don't know but yeah. no, I've had a good experience, and again, very friendly people who look after you very well, just as Simon says.
1: I'm not, I'm not sure that my experience at the hotel Planinka or Planinka uh, in in Montenegro is really is really a kind of good <laughs> yardstick because uh, there were two. Moth-eaten stuffed wolves in the uh, in the in the entry <laughs> lobby, and there was a waiter who was called Ratko, who was who did everything. He actually it actually really was like a Dracula movie. I was the only person staying there, and the the person Ratko who who um, eventually turned up to um, see to my uh, booking and and uh, welcome me. <laughs> I put in inverted commas. Uh, uh, then also was the person who brought the absolutely appalling food provided the equally disastrous breakfast and then because it was so cold and the heating didn't work he brought me this um, I would imagine a sort of 1930s electric fire if there is such a thing still which sparked and gave off a really horrible burning smell and was absolutely terrifying but I don't think I don't think uh, I'm not really going to judge Russian hotels on the basis of that and it was quite fun and I got out alive.
2: I tell you what I find intriguing and I wonder if both of you have heard of this yeah. <laughs> Um, in some of the very old world hotels, there are beautiful, huge, oh. polished mirrors, highly polished mirrors, and I was always told that they, <laughs> they were two-way mirrors, and that they were often put to to put to use during, obviously, the Soviet era. But have you ever heard that? And the Russian, actually, I spoke to, swore on this that that this happened, and maybe it did, possibly did back back in the days.
0: Yes, this is a country that, for uh, what, six or seven decades, under under communism, uh, absolutely uh, kept eyes on its public and uh, the uh, whole idea of, of of kind of grassing on your family or even or, or your workmates because they were not sufficiently ideologically yes. pure, uh, that, that was very much part of the mix. Um, and, of course, uh, well, the FSB successors to the KGB are now perhaps even more mm. effective in their... Their gruesome ways than than the KGB was. But that doesn't touch the traveller um, as far as I can see. And certainly people are now, uh, particularly young people, they're not at all a- afraid of getting into a conversation with you about politics in a way where you know, if you go back uh, 30 years, it, it probably
1: would have been shut down. Okay, here's my next prejudice then, folks. Um, apart from uh, the amazing St. Basil's Cathedral in Moscow, the Hermitage Museum in St. Petersburg. Uh, isn't it a bit of a, wow, how can I put it, a second division tourist destination? I mean, is there really a lot of things to see? Yes,
0: there are, but they are very well spread out and they are—they have to be seen in the context of being uh, jewels in a very, 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 broad canvas so uh, yes there, there's well it just pick what sort of thing oh, okay so well <laughs> just picking out the two you mentioned um, St Basil's is simply one absolutely stunning part of Red Square this vast open uh, parade ground um, that's outside the walls of the Kremlin and every big Russian city has a Kremlin it's it's effectively a fortress from which everything was controlled and uh, guess what it still is and within that you've got (laughs) all all kinds of uh, churches and museums and so on and then uh, yes the hermitage in St Petersburg is the one of the greatest collections of art anywhere on the planet but it's also just one component of I think the world's greatest urban creation anywhere. This was swampland. Um, uh, Peter the Great thought, oh, I tell you what, we've got to have a window on the West and I'm going to create one. And that's exactly what he did, bringing in the very best architects and artists and engineers from around the world to create a city where, which probably shouldn't exist beyond being one man's dream of, of how he could to change his country. But then... Everywhere in between, you have, well, you've got the beautiful uh, old uh, capital of, of, of Novgorod, uh, places which are, I, I guess, second division, yeah, would be would be Nizhny Novgorod, um, uh, w- which is uh probably, I think, the third biggest city in Russia, and a, a great joy with its superb riverside location. But then Volgograd, Stalingrad as was, risen from the ashes of of the second world war and sochi on the on the black sea just full of 19th century glamour uh, i it is a, a nation of wonders but they're quite a long way apart francis well you know this is the the
2: key, I think, to Russia's attraction. It's a huge country, and to give you an idea, it's nearly twice the size of the US, despite those maps we grew up on, or globes which had them about the same size, um, Western manufactured, needless to say. But it, it means there's a massive variety of, for example, habitats. There's 11 different habitats. There's a ton of climatic zones. And so you get everything that that... So that, that means. So you can, get.
1: Can, can you? Can I just interrupt you for a second? Can you? Can you go on uh, long walks and in, enjoy um, nature reserves and stuff yes. like that? I don't think I've ever heard of anybody talking about that.
2: No, you can absolutely. And in fact, the outdoor activities are another thing altogether. You can go whitewater rafting or canoeing in the Altai Republic, trekking or hiking around Lake. Baikal. You can climb a volcano in Kamchatka. You can fish, cycle, ski in the in the Caucasus. Uh, you can sunbathe on the Black Sea, dive, fly, skydive. You can even go become a cosmoport cosmonaut for for your holiday. Um, there's a place called Space Adventures, I think, and uh, it it even includes a very kind of professional simulated spacewalk. Uh, it's not cheap. I think it's between eight thousand dollars and 90,000, depending on how far you go. But it's a massive variety of um, experiences. And and I think rather than second rate, I think it's first rate. Some of the museums are among the greatest art collections in the world. You've got arguably the world's greatest ballet. You've got stunning architecture. Um, As I say, beaches and and seaside towns, Um, 102, I think, wildlife parks, some incredible wildlife, including... Siberian tigers you know it's it's a country of superlatives I reckon rather than being second rate honestly.
1: If you were to recommend one surprising thing that I could do uh, there were lots of surprises there but something that you did that really sort of blew your mind Francis. what would you recommend?
2: At the moment interestingly there's a kind of massive fashion for Soviet era um, sites and also experiences. So you can, for example, visit Stalin's uh, secret as it was then, Bunker. And it really is like something out of a James Bond movie or a sci-fi sort of C-rated um, movie. Or what I did, I went to a gun firing range. I've always been fascinated by the Kalashnikov as an instrument in a rather macabre way. I think it's killed more men than any other weapon in history. It's extremely well designed. You can drop it in water and snow and so on. Oh, it on is so a forth. Russian
1: invention, is it? I yes, absolutely. It was. And yeah.
2: you, can, you can go off and, and fire some, um, either old, old ones or, or the latest one, which I did.
1: Um, well, what did you fire it at, may I ask? Well,
2: it was in a very carefully monitored military run, these are, say, uh, firing range. And it's all, you know, you're properly um instructed and and everything else but for me it was just um (laughs) sort of an interesting insight into a weapon that was absolutely crucial throughout soviet history
1: were you Um, any good
2: i hit the target but um incredibly but it had quite a kick i could not believe the kick um it it was a a seriously powerful rifle and you have to tuck it into your shoulder but i am finding that country is far more open um than it used to be, say, 20 years ago, both in what you're allowed to see, uh, in the sort of sites that they offer, and also in people prepared to talk. And you can ask them, you know, what do you think of Putin? What do you think of this policy and that policy? And there's, there really isn't, or doesn't seem to be a lot of kind of looking behind your back before you answer. Yeah. They're very patriotic, the Russians. Um, but I wouldn't say absolutely, you know, but not critical, because um, some people I spoke to were critical or voiced their views.
1: Well, I'm I'm kind of getting more and more convinced that I really ought to go there. Um, but there is a problem both getting there and uh, it's quite difficult to get around. Well, isn't
0: it? I think that getting there at the moment is clearly a big uh, problem because of the uh, many many rules on leaving the UK, coming back to the UK, and getting into Russia. But I see, <laughs> clutching at straws here, the incredible bureaucracy that is now required on a simple trip just to get back into the UK means that I think we'll be a bit more attuned to the um, rigours of getting a, 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 a visa for Russia. Very sadly, the EU, which we used to be part of, you might remember, has a great deal with, the, 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 with St. Petersburg, which allows anybody from the EU to get a free pass to go into St. Petersburg, but clearly that's not of an option for them, but I think it will as as it comes to terms with the um, post pandemic economic wreckage. I think it will open up, but getting around could not be easier or more fun. You've got fabulous overnight trains going everywhere. I wouldn't personally recommend the Trans Siberian. I've done very long stretches of it. It's great to try for a day or two, but you've also got fantastic um, uh, airlines offering very good service at very low fares. How
1: did you go, Francis? Either oh, the most recent time, anyway.
2: I traveled mainly by train, and there's a great network. I think Moscow has something like nine train stations, and um, also by boat. I mean, that used to be the traditional form of transport right up to the 20th century, and you can get some stunning, stunning boat trips along the rivers. I loved the trains. I went on a sleeper um, from, well, from Moscow. Uh, to all sorts of places, and the great—it's a great way of traveling, particularly overnight, because you can cover the huge distances and and save time. So it's a really good way of traveling. They're also very cheap. I think. Um, I mean, for example, I travel from Moscow um, on various journeys, like up to eight or nine hours, and it would be twenty quid. Um, even well, the tube as well is only about forty-six p.
1: And that's beautiful, isn't it? Moscow's tube. Isn't that Stunning. an working? Yes, itself? all the
2: 1930s metro stations are absolutely beautiful. In fact, they even do guided tours of them now because they're yeah. so worthwhile seeing. And the thing also about flights and trains, they're very easy to book on the website. And, and as I say, but I think very good value compared to you know, Europe and particularly the UK
1: and how how did you get there though if um you know how did how did you, did you have to go through all sorts of hoops to get well a i will of say that the, the
2: one or... pain actually about russia or one of the, one of them is that it's bureaucratic and that includes visas so you It it takes, you have to leave at least a month, I reckon, to apply, or you you can simply run out of time. And it's a fairly rigorous process. I had to declare the last, all the countries I'd visited in the last 10 years, for example but there are some <laughs> good agencies including in london there's one i used called into russia and they did very largely did the visa for me and arranged it and also booked very helpfully trains in advance hotels in advance because you have to show that you have a, a hotel booked for every night you're there as part of your visa application oh, so really yes F- F- so um, a on. visa uh, agency can be extremely helpful with that and can ring them directly and ensure you have vouchers and all all of that it takes a lot of the sort of hard work out the bureaucracy before you go
1: it doesn't sound to me and maybe this is a good last question that uh, uh, this is somewhere where you could go for a long
0: weekend well actually a really good way to go to taste russia is to go there for a long weekend either to kaliningrad which will be as russian as you could possibly ever want it to be and yet you are seeing this um, once elegant heavily bombed recreated. Uh, Russian Russian city. In the course of a weekend, there's even a lovely bit of um, Baltic uh, coastline if you want to make it a summer trip. Or you could do what an awful lot of people do, either as part of a Baltic cruise or just going in from from Finland, actually into St. Petersburg. That relaxes the visa rules. And it's a great way of deciding whether you would want to see more of this amazing country. And yes, there is nowhere quite like St. Petersburg. But on the other hand, it does give you a taste for what lies in the
1: remaining 6,000 miles to the Pacific Ocean. Well, you've convinced me. I'm going to um, pack away my prejudices and prepare myself for a trip to Russia uh, when, of course, uh, we are allowed to do so. So anyway, in the meantime, Francis, thank you so much for the uh, benefit uh, of your experiences. You're very welcome. And next week,
0: well, from Palace Square in St. Petersburg and Red Square in Moscow, we are picking up the theme to talk about great squares of the world. Tell us if you know anywhere that's more alluring and beautiful than Leicester Square in London. Do let (laughs) us know on Twitter. We are at you should have bt or of course you can go to anchor.fm forward slash you should have been there and even leave us an audio message which we love
1: so until next week great squares of the world from me mick webb and me simon calder goodbye goodbye
2: and from me francis goodbye